Welcome to Time with Bishop Melvin London. Stay tuned. We hope you'll be blessed. This is the day that the Lord has made. We have every cause to thank Him and rejoice in His abundant grace. Not all has had it this way. By the grace of God, the blood is going and running through our veins and we are still alive regardless of the pending danger and in this perilous dangerous insensitive time god has still been our rock and our banner and he said he will still be with us till the end of the earth and this is the promise and the heritage we have in the king of glory hallelujah now before i go on to bring the word of god i will want us to take about two three minutes to pray for the nations across the globe pray for our families for divine enablement divine strength and divine healing now there's a scripture in jeremiah chapter number 30 the verse number 17 jeremiah chapter number 30 the verse number 17 jeremiah through his prophetic ministry was yearning for the restoration of israel and bringing the captive back into the land of the promise into the land of Israel and that made Jeremiah a weeping prophet the man who go through severe time of pain and agony interceding for the children of God and he says something in Jeremiah chapter 30 the verse of 17 he said for I will restore health unto thee after Jeremiah prayer he said I will restore health unto thee and I will heal thee of thy wound God specifically speaking to individuals speaking to families speaking to nations and said I will make it this is not a bargain this is not thing to do with man's strength or effort i god would make it to pass i will hasten my word to performance saith the lord because they called thee an outcast they thought you would die they thought nothing will happen to you they thought you will lose your job they thought you will bust out they thought you will go through emotional wreck they thought you will be disappointed they thought you will fail they thought whatever you touch it will not go well but god said because they labeled you an outcast the word outcast there is very very important to understand the nadak it means that you have been afflicted you have been inflicted you have been chased out for that reason because you have been rejected i god i will bring you back in i will fetch you from the hinterland i will bring you up from the away from the, the the isolation of the people and i will make you count in every way saying this is zion 
whom no man seeketh after. You are Zion. You are the church. Nobody gives regard to you. They think that the sickness will kill you. But in the name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, may God restore our health back to us in the name of Jesus. I want you to open your mouth and begin to pray like a daughter, like a son of Zion and still Lord. Heal our land. Heal our land. Let the nations across the world be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. You are praying, mentioning a family member's name. Mention your mother's name. Listen to me. It's not easy in this very time to lose a loved one, for a loved one to be sick, for somebody to be on a hospital bed, for somebody to be bedridden, for somebody to lose their breath, for somebody to be in respiratory uh, discomfort. We are praying and saying, Lord, oh God, restore our health, oh God. Restore our health, oh God, and heal our past wounds, heal our disappointments, heal our failures. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. Today is another day. Oh God, hide my body and Father, do a wonder in the life of your people as we are about to speak your word, oh God, Father, not my word, but your word. Father, my God, speak through me, use me, oh God, as a vessel unto honor to your people. Bring clarity and understanding of your word. That, oh God, at the end, oh God, of the service, each and every one of us, oh God, shall be blessed in the name of Jesus. For the next one hour, we say, dear Lord, Spirit divine, let every mind, every heart be attentive to your word without wavering in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all. We thank God for yet another day. No matter what, you're still alive and we give God the prize. We give God the prize. We give God the prize. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So for some time now, we've been dealing with Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. We have dealt with the Beatitudes and I've given you deeper insight of what the blessings, the pillars, the constitutions, and the principles of the kingdom is, within which every blessing in scripture is hand in or hinge on. That is to say that if you abide by the principle of the nine blessings Jesus gave to his disciples on the mountain of Iramos, your life will permanently on this very earth be blessed. Because there is no blessing found in scripture that is not allocated in the nine principal blessings of the kingdom of God that Jesus postulated in Matthew chapter number five. And upon climaxing it on the blessings, he gave them a covenant to agree upon as a spiritual agreement between the deity of God and humanity, between immortality and mortality. That by that, mortality will be blessed in the cosmic world God has positioned us. Hallelujah. And in going forward, he came down to Matthew chapter 17 and he's about to tell them detail of what he came to do. 
His mission has started. So you read Isaiah. Isaiah made us, according to prophecy, to believe and know that he came to set the captive free. Captive is a prisoner. Captive is someone who has done something wrong and the law has gripped hold of his hands and has thrown him into prison as a form of punishment. <laughs> so one of the main mission and agenda of Jesus coming onto the earth is to save the captive, is to set you and I free. The bondage we were in, where we had been thrown into, where we had been isolated, ideal to, Jesus came and said, open the prison door and let this Zion son, let the daughter of Zion come out of the prison and my mission will be accomplished. Hallelujah. So this is the reason of the coming of Jesus. Henceforth, his name Jesus means that the Savior, the Savior. So it does not matter where you find yourself. If you cry unto the saving grace of Jesus, he will reach out to you and save you from your predicament. That is the beauty we have as a Christian in God. That irrespective of your punishment, irrespective of what you have done wrong, it does not matter the consecutive times you have done it. It does not matter the repetitive times you have done it. As long as you will reckon with the fact that he came to save you and you call him into your situation, he is ready to save you. The other day the Bible says that Peter saw Jesus walking on the sea. And he forbade him that I should come. And he said, come, Peter. Peter rose up and he started walking on the sea. Just at the neck of it, Peter looked around him and he realized that there is some fear around him. How could I do this? He doubted the power. And instantly he started sinking. When he started sinking, it did not matter the distance between him and Jesus. When he called unto the name of Jesus, Jesus stretched forth his hand and rescued Peter out of the sinking sea. Listen to me and listen to me good. Today I pray that wherever you are sinking in your life, wherever you have been locked in your life, wherever you have been positioned in your life, let the saving grace, the mighty hand of Jesus Christ, let this stretch out to you in that prison door, in that very house, in that very hospital and rescue you in the name of Jesus. He is savior today. He is savior tomorrow and he will be savior forever until the end of the earth hallelujah glory be to god so i have now demonstrated to you the mission and the reason of jesus coming he came to set the captive free but how would we know that so we go to matthew chapter number five the verse number 17 and 18 and we're gonna dwell mainly on the 17 and there will be much scripture today we are going to learn so I want everybody to open your mind, open your heart, and write what you write because it's going to be deep. It's going to be deep. And you've got to get your, your seatbelt tightened on. Hallelujah. Today's message I have titled, The Believer's Grace is the Fulfillment of the Law. <laughs> write it down, write it down, write it down. Whoever that is writing, The Believer's Grace is the Fulfillment of the Law. Matthew chapter number 5, 
the verse number 17 and 18 measuring on the 17 verse and sister yoka if you are there and you can read for us please read for us do not think that i came to destroy the law mm. or the prophets i did not come to destroy but to fulfill for assuredly i say to you till heaven and earth pass away one draught or one title will be will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled hallelujah don't think so there was a, an assumption there was an insinuation there was an attempt for people to think that jesus is coming is to destroy to abolish the law and institute something completely different from their knowledge to destroy means to dissolve it to destroy means to dismantle it to destroy means don't make it useful anymore but jesus his mission was not to destroy the law there was a purpose for the law but his coming was to fulfill it his coming was to make it full his coming was to open the understanding of the concept of what they know and think about the law because the Israelites has been under a kind of bondage the nation has been under a kind of suppression that they have been punished for what they do and for that reason life has become unbearable and no one was able to abide and oblige to the law to the last letter and every single time they find themselves in bondage so Jesus is coming was not to abide abolished that completely but was to fulfill it henceforth his coming was to fulfill the law and turn the law into grace the fulfillment of the law is the grace mm. the fulfillment of the law is grace you will not understand these two words the law and grace until we have gone into the fundamental ramification of what it means so let me start dealing with the word grace. What is grace? By grace we are saved. It is just the grace of God. It is not by my strength. By the gracious hands of Jehovah. And God found favor before, and, and Noah found favor before God. And Moses said, let your glory fall if you have found favor before you let your glory come down i will not go until you go with me so what is grace everybody does something and they quickly talk about grace you see somebody doing something wrong and then he said the grace is the grace the grace it's not by righteousness it's just by the so what is grace what is grace what is grace? I feel like grace has been used, bastardized, and so much misused and abused to the extent that believers don't even understand what grace is. Believers don't understand what grace is and how grace intercepted in our lives. Hallelujah. And today I said we're going to go in a milestone and therefore open your ears and let us grab the concept and the understanding of the word of god what is grace so grace is god's willingness 
to forgive a sinner. Listen to me very carefully. Mm. And if you are writing, um, I pray that God will give me the, the insight into going certain things. Grace is God's willingness to forgive a sinner and bless us abundantly in spite, in spite that of the in spite of the fact that we don't deserve to be treated so well or extend his generosity towards us. I believe that as a human being, if I fault on you, if I do something wrong against you, if I I I I, I offend you, you'll be so cross with me that even if I need a favor from you, it will be very hard for you to do it for me. You will cross carpet with me and you will decide either not talking to me again or you not do me any more favors. That is human being for you. But the grace of God goes beyond that. That even when you offend him, he willingly forgive you what you have done not 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 subconsciously not carelessly it is it is the will of god that he will forgive us not only forgiving us but also bless us abundantly in spite regardless factless that we have done something wrong and give us a treatment out of his generosity out of his generosity so the word grace is an attitude of god that proceeds entirely from within himself let me repeat it again so grace is an attitude of god and when we say somebody has an attitude it is a part of his lifestyle an attitude comes to live with you an attitude is born with you an attitude is your mannerism how you behave how you talk how you walk how you do is your attitude so grace is an attitude of god that proceed out of his entire being from himself towards you that is grace that is grace let me say that it does not matter the magnitude of what you have done it does not matter how big the thing you have done there is an attitude in god that does not see your offenses and punish you for your offenses <laughs> that is grace that is grace let's go on number three so i've told you the first one is that god's willingness to forgive a sinner and bless the sinner abundantly in spite of the fact that we don't deserve to be treated so well or his generosity being extended to us in spite of that grace of god still reach out to us in that aspect and number two grace of god is that attitude of god that proceed out of his entire being his totality from his mind his 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 heart his intent his ability his construction his character everything that proceed towards you that means he does not relent he does not resent he does not hold back 
It does not say you are better than Enoya. You are better than Regina. Regina has done worse than you. And for that reason, I will punish Regina small and I will punish you more. It does not happen like that with God. The same big sin Melvin did and the same small sin Anna did. Grace comes to speak on both of us our behalf so that the punishment that is leveled against us will be stopped by him. Number three, the grace of God is his benevolence, his love. When we talk about benevolence, is his kindness, his quality of well-being. That means, you mean, the grace of God has an allocation of your well-being in God's mind. Watch it very carefully. So the plans Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter number 29, the verse of 11, for I know the plans I think towards you. It is not a plan of evil, but it is a plan of good to give you an extended peace to give you a happy life so god's thinking and his plan concerning you goes far beyond your mother your husband your brother your sister your pastor your bishop anybody you can think about because when you offend a human being the human being will punish you for what you have done before he will even think of doing something else to you but god does not do it like that so his kindness is out of his well-being towards you so regardless of whatever happens to you he is still thinking better about you regardless of what you did wrong he is still having good plans towards you for his plans towards you are a year and in his benevolence his love and his favor and mercy so watch it very carefully grace the component of grace is god's benevolence his kindness his love his favor and his mercy mm. towards the unworthy person because of the sin so as i'm talking mark the word sin because as I proceed on, we will come to this very subject. Maybe. Watch it very carefully. So that's number three. According to Miriam Webster, she said, Grace can also be defined as unmerited divine assistance. <laughs> unmerited divine assistance. Oh, God. Assistance that does not come from no man when you are stretched and stretched knock and knock at your neighbor's door looking for an assistance you have called an ambulance to come and visit you because of what you are going through and you have waited and the assistance of the ambulance the paramedics are not coming god is able through his divine nature through his divine power bring assistance unto you so that what the doctor or the paramedics could have come to do at the nick of things that if they didn't come you would have been dead god is able to produce to transpose that very assistance to you so that you will be healed oh you are in the hospital and the doctors have declared that something bad is about to happen but you remember that there is grace and you call on the grace of god the unmerited favor you should have died but because of the assistance of God, the divine assistance of God, he is able to come through for you and rescue you out. 
That is grace. That is grace. That is grace. It is also divine assistance given to humanity for our regeneration, for our renewal of mind and our sanctification. Follow me, I'm going somewhere. So, grace can be defined as unmerited assistance given to humanity for their regeneration, for their renewal of mind, for their actions, the process of being regenerated, the process of being renewed out of your mind, the process of you shifting from your old state into a new state, the process of coming out of darkness into the marvelous light. That is grace. Unmerited. You don't deserve it. You don't need to be in the light. But by the grace of God and the favor of God, you have been positioned and settled and located in light by renewing of your mind. And not only that, sanctification. That you will be cleared out of every debris. You'll be cleared out of every impurity. So when you come out, grace is able to give you a pure body. Oh my God. Grace is able to nourish you. Grace is able to transform you. Grace is able to give you a new picture. Grace is able to give you a new look. Grace is able to give you a makeover. Grace. 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 Grace is able to make people not able to identify you in the way you were. Because remember how you were before. How you were so strong before. How you were so angermaniac before. How you used to do things. But today, when people see you, hey, is that Melvin? Wow. Hey, is that, is that, is that Jude? Hey, wow. Because you have been transformed. Number five. Grace is that virtue that comes from God. So grace is a virtue. Grace is a virtue. I'm preaching on the subject, the believer's grace is the fulfillment of the law. The believer's grace is the fulfillment of the law. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Stay with me. So grace is a virtue that comes from God. A virtue. So what is a virtue? Goodness. What is a virtue? Good point. What is a virtue? Behavioral high moral standard virtue behavioral high moral standard that is a virtue when we say a woman of virtue it means that the woman has a higher moral standard when we say a man of substance it doesn't mean just a man that has money but it's a man of a high quality standard of moral stance hallelujah stay with me number six grace is a state of sanctification enjoyed through divine assistance a state of sanctification nobody can condemn you when grace when finds you grace, nobody can condemn you sanctify you you have been purified you have been sanctified you have been cleared that is grace so your old state is not the same anymore reginaldo God bless you for coming with us. Hallelujah. Now, watch it very carefully. So, that is grace. So, on this premises, Christ is able to take you out of every punishment. Have you understood it? Looking at the qualities of grace and looking at the mission of Jesus, 
he has been certified from heaven as an immortal being settled into mortality to be able to rescue so he has all the entitlements that when you place him in court he is able to argue his case in law he is the eternal attorney in your life Oh my God, by the virtue of grace, Jesus Christ has become your eternal attorney before God and the devil. <laughs> Watch it very carefully. Let, let, let me say it very, very, let me say it again. Because of the vision of, of, or the mission of Jesus, having the entitlement, all the accolades, all the entitlements, all the authority, feels inside grace because it is only grace that is able to punish the punished it is only the grace that is able to punish the word punish for the punished so having all the entitlements having all that authority he is able to argue your case no matter how heavy your punishment is no matter how wrong you have done no matter how heavy you have you have done wrong he has the entitlement he can take the case to court and he will have the judge sit down and you have another attorney and he will stand in between and then will be able to intercede on your behalf that the matter they have leveled against you will be thrown out of court it will be thrown out of court so he has become your eternal attorney so if there is a lawyer that is sure to take your matter before god hear me very carefully so when anybody any witchcraft in your family any obia man in your family any sangoma any voodoo man in your family any bad wicked person in your family take you to a voodoo to juju you to to bring you down to to afflict your life to give you death and you call on the attorney called jesus christ he has all the entitlements to stand between you and that very voodoo man and said yes you are right this person esther has done something wrong yes it's true that bloomsfield has done something wrong yes it's true that ayoka has done something wrong but because i have bought that very sickness that punishment i have already paid for it for you therefore you cannot do him anything on that note i pray for you that anything that somebody have against you i drop it by the power of the holy ghost my god any sickness any diseases any death any curse any pronouncement that has been spoken against your life uh, by the eternal authority and by the assistance of his benevolence uh, may god reach out to you in the name of jesus Christ and set you free and give you a regenerated mind in the name of jesus the son of the living god hallelujah glory be to God stay with me so that is grace in order for us to fully understand grace listen to me very carefully I have explained grace to you but there is a premise to understand this very grace so in order to fully understand the word grace we have to first of all understand the human's old state of affairs without Christ or before the death and resurrection of Christ hey Grace will be meaningless if we don't understand the death and resurrection of Christ. Grace will be meaningless if we don't understand the intervention of Christ. 
grace will be meaningless if you don't understand the old state of your being where you were before what would have happened to you and what could have caused you to not progress let's look at something in psalm 51 the verse of five quickly psalms 51 verse 5 behold i was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived behold i was brought forth in iniquity i was brought forth in iniquity in sin i was brought forth in gross injustice iniquity means gross injustice iniquity means i was brought forth in wickedness the wickedness of mankind brought me forth i was raised in wickedness i was raised in wicked environment i was praised out my mother bred me up my mother raised me in an environment of wickedness oh my god the whole place was contaminated and i want to tell you david said i am telling you that my mother brought me forth in that wicked environment in that environment of insensitivity in that company of wickedness in that company of gross injustice but my mother also gave birth to me in sin i have been evil from the day i was born from mm -hmm. the time I was conceived, I have been sinful. I have been evil from the day I was conceived. So hear me, the very day a child is born, the child has a mind of humanity that has an iota of wickedness. Where did this come from? So nobody is born righteous. Remember that. So write it down. Nobody, no human being is born righteous. No human being is born good. One day, the people call Jesus good and say, why do you call me good? There is none that is good apart from the Father. None is good. As long as you have a mortal being on your body, there is a smell of wickedness around you. You can never get out of this. So watch it very carefully because of this very sin because of this very injustice because of this wickedness hear this and hear good all human race were under what we call the law and this brings me to matthew chapter 5 the verse number 17. so we were under law because of the injustice so, what is the law? You live in England, you live in America, you live in, we always say that we are in a law-abiding nation. That justice speak for the injustice. <laughs> wow. So, what is law? I want you to say, this thing, this teaching is deep, and I want you to take every stroke of it. Today we are going into the Old Testament because there are so many things believers are not privileged of. We only say it with our mouth. But until you know your right in what you have possessed, you cannot use it to the full brain. You can have a British passport, but you will not know what to do with a British passport apart from just getting a job with it. And getting two by four benefits. So, what is the law? Jesus said in Matthew you know 5 17. 
Don't think that I came to destroy the law. Newly born, how are we? Don't think I came to destroy the law. But rather, I came to fulfill it. So what is the law? Let's go to John chapter 1, the verse of 17. John chapter 1, the verse of 17. How did the law come about? Where did we get the law from? On what premise was the law given? John chapter number 1. The verse number 17. Verse 17. For the law was mm. given to Moses. Mm. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. For the law was given through Moses or by Moses. In the old dispensation. But contrary to this. Truth. And grace came by Jesus Christ. <laughs> Watch it very carefully. Why did John use Moses and Jesus? Yeah. The two greatest deliverers <clears throat> of human race, the two greatest deliverers in all human race, is hanged on Moses in the Old Testament. And on Jesus in the New Testament. So the deliverer of the Old Testament is Moses. And the deliverer of the New Testament or the New Covenant is Jesus Christ. So two deliverers. And both of them came with a mission. And both of them has their mission to be delivered. And both of them, their mission was accomplished. One's mission was to postulate the law was to establish the law, was to bring justice in the injustice, was to create an awareness of something, and one was to pay for the punishment of that injustice. <laughs> so Moses created an awareness of the law and the justice, and Jesus came to bring grace, to pay, for that sin, the punishment that would have been given to us. So watch it very carefully. Jesus displayed grace. Moses displayed the law. And by the law, we now know what sin is. By law. So grace came through Jesus and was extended and God extended his favor to save us and give us hope and eternal security. I want you to write this. It's too good. Grace came through Jesus Christ so that God will extend his favor to save us and give us hope. Write it down. Grace came through Jesus Christ so that God will extend his favor to save us, to give us hope and eternal security. The reason of your grace is having eternal security. And if heaven satisfy you, hey, 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 if heaven endorse you, is God put his, his banner all around you and he encapsulate you and envelop you 
into his grace. No man, no devil, no witch, no sangoma, no good, no good, no wickedness will be able to take you back into that bondage. It's all good. Eternal security. Not only earthly security, you also have it. That is why a believer must not be afraid of death because death is nothing. Death is departing from this, this material cosmic world into an invisible world where your joy will be fulfilled permanently. So a believer's departure from this earth is nothing but continuation of joy. In eternity oh my god listen all losses are not good according to the earthly realm hmm. if you lose a loved one it's very painful but glory be to god if the person has eternal salvation eternal security even though you are weeping for the person for the departure maybe the comfort you get from the person is what you are thinking about maybe the benefit you, are, you get from the person is what you are thinking about maybe the counseling you get from the person is what you are thinking about but in essence the person has not lost nothing but the person has gone to be with glory to be in glory to be in eternity so that you will continually permanently enjoy so whilst you are crying here the person is the being is enjoying life am i making sense whilst you are so much mourning that is why jesus says something he said let the dead mourn their own dead body because that dead body is no mourning if the dead body has eternal security the dead body or the dead being is rejoicing whilst you are crying so i want to assure you don't let nobody threaten you with death don't let nobody threaten you with i will kill you jesus said don't be afraid of the one that can kill you but be afraid of the one that can kill you from this earthly realm and destroy your soul it is the destruction of the soul that matters it is not the departure of this very earth everybody some way somehow will depart from this very earth but not everybody will meet eternal security no, everybody will be eternally secured. Hear me and hear me good. We will all one day pass on to eternal glory. But hear me very carefully. The most important thing is that when you pass from this earth, make sure that you have eternal security. Grace has already purchased you. Grace has already wrapped around you. Grace has already favored you. The benevolence of God has met you. The selection of God has met you. You have become a candidate of glory in eternity. And and that is the most thing you have to think about at the moment settle chill out chill out chill out because the things that are coming is so heavy read for me ephesians chapter number two the verse number eight ephesians ephesians chapter two the verse number eight i believe somebody is being blessed for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god so watch it very carefully you did not save yourself by your own power, by your own good works, by your own good deeds, by what you have done good for somebody. You were saved by grace. Write it down. We were saved by grace, not by our works. Through the gift of God. Through the gift of God. We were saved by grace. Grace has saved us 
by our believing system in God, by the faith we have in Christ, that he died and arose for us. And it is the gift God gives. Gift is something that you, are, you don't merit it. Gift. When somebody decides to give you a gift, it's not based on what you have done for them. Gift is a present somebody gives to you. For whatever reason, I can see Ayoka and I like Ayoka for no reason and I present a gift to Ayoka. It is not because Ayoka has done something for me in reciprocal or has done something to me in return. You give a gift out not because somebody has done something for you. So those of us, we give gift out for whatever reason it is that somebody has done me good so I need to go back and pay the person good. No, this is not gift. It is called paying back time. Gift is not dependent on what you have done for somebody or somebody has done for you. It is coming out of your own benevolence. You can meet somebody on the street and you decide, you know, let me just give you a gift. Gift. So God, out of his eternal wisdom, decided that you will be punished. Matthew chapter number 5, the verse of 17. I'm laying a troposphere layer, a foundational layer. And then if time permits, we will go a little higher above. Don't miss this teaching. Oh my God. He said, think not. Don't assume. Don't let your mind even cross that I came here because you are under bondage, because you are under hardship, because you are under torment, because injustices are playing up in your environment. I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to destroy the law and the prophets. Jesus was specific the law and the prophet the law at every given dispensation from the time God created the earth to the time Apostle John had the revelation in the book of Revelation watch it very carefully there are certain things in Bible the law the prophets and the gospel the prophets and the law I'm explaining the law to you now watch it i am not come to destroy it no the law is not come to destroy it i did not come to destroy the law but i came to fulfill to fulfill means to make it top it was half it was a half that deal it wasn't a done deal the climax of the law was not sealed hmm. Because the totality of the law is the fullness of my manifestation. Oh my God. Write it down. Oh, glory be to God. Glo Without Christ, the law is not fulfilled. Without Christ, the law is misused. The law is abused. The law is bastardized. The law is not used correctly without christ somebody is taking unnecessary advantage of the law against your justice against your sanctity against your justification without the law so so he went further to say till heaven and earth pass till heaven and earth pass one jot or one little of the letter of the law shall in no wise pass from the law till all fulfill till all fulfill till all fulfill till all fulfill jesus is talking 
So now, he has now turned the minds of the Israelites. He has turned the mind of the congregation. What is this man talking about? Ah, this Lord that we are talking that Moses took it from God, from Mount Sinai, that we have been abiding by the law all this while. You come to say that without you, the law is not fulfilled. But we have lived in fulfillment of the law right from the day that the law came. It is this true law that we are being punished. Somebody is in prison because of the law. Hey, how did you know that somebody is a thief? Tell me. We are living in an environment whereby everybody has the authority and the power and the and the privilege to take from anybody you can enter into somebody's house and when the person is not there you take and he can also enter into your house when you are not there you take so how would you know that you are a thief and the person is also a thief it is through the law it is the law that makes us aware of it hallelujah so we we come to a point to understand that Jesus has made a profound statement. He has not come to destroy the law, but he has come to make a fulfillment to the law. And as long as the heavens and earth would, has not passed away, not a single word out of the law would drop off. Now, we have ascertained the fact that the law was given to Moses so we have understood that law. Christ did not bring anything new. Listen to this very carefully. Christ did not bring anything new away from righteousness and salvation. Write it down for me. Christ did not bring anything new. He didn't. He didn't bring anything new away from righteousness and salvation into this world. No. It was what they did not understand. What God has said that was not fruitational in their minds. That they did not understand how to collaborate and understand how God wanted them to live their lives and how life is meant to be the manual state of human's process that was not revealed unto man in all understanding is what Christ came to give to mankind so for instance you have gone to buy a television or a, a gadget and they have given you a manual you come and read the manual but you don't understand the full extent of the manual and the more you read it the more you are on operational to your gadget so you call onto the manufacturer and the manufacturer says now this time around i am not bringing you a new manual but I'm bringing someone from the main office to come and help you explain the manual you have in your life so that you'll be able to operate your gadget. This is the whole thing. This is the whole thing. So God gave a manual 
to Moses, which is the law. But the people did not understand the manual of the law and they started abusing the manual. And because they started abusing the manual, God now decided, let me now bring Christ, who is the iota of the manual, who is the, who is the simplicity of the manual, who is the working manual. So with him, and you have him, you have the manual living on the inside of you. Oh my God. Oh my God. So this time around, the manual is not something that is being read. The manual is now imprinted on the inside of you. So you walk with the manual and you understand the manual and you know how the manual is and how you will be able to operate it. This is all that it means. This is all that it means. So the totality and the fullness and the manifestation of the, of the law and the fulfillment of it was Christ coming as the manual of the law. Mm. So Christ is now coming to open the understanding what it means. And what it means is that Watch it very carefully. The law punishes you by what you have done wrong. But the idea of God, the plans of God, the mindset of God is not to punish you. Because imagine this, you were born a sinner. You were born into a wicked environment. Listen to this very carefully. If you understand this thing, I'm, I'm done. Watch it. You were born from day one. David has established that in Psalm 51, the verse of 5. In the environment I was raised, no goodness, wickedness, injustice. But apart from that, when my mother and my father met, before they conceived me in the womb, and I became the blood, the fetus in the blood, the two blood that came together to form me, it was a sinful blood. So my formation of the blood in the conception is not clean, it's sin. Are we understanding it? So how righteous can you be when the formation of your blood is sin? You don't have no power over it. So Paul says something. He said, the wrong I don't want to do, I find myself doing it all the time. I don't have no control over it. Oh, just as we are here now, no matter the preaching and the Holy Ghostic screaming and making and all that, watch it very good. If somebody offend you right now, by the time you realize, you instantly react. Anger will just fill you, boom, before you realize that, ah, but I'm listening to a preaching. Are you understanding that? Sometimes we do certain things that we don't have no control over. Am I, am I right? Or am I the only sinner here? Sometimes you are driving and somebody crosses you. You want to get to point A and somebody crosses you. Instantly, you you break on, you step on the pedal of the brake and then you insult the person before you realize you're a Christian. 
Sometimes you buy food, you put it in the kitchen, and you know that you have food there. By the time you go, your children are eating the food. Anger fills your heart before you realize you are beating the children before you realize, ah, I'm a Christian. I don't need to beat them. So nobody is born with the freedom from sin. It becomes part of our living being. God, in Genesis chapter number 4, the verse number 7, told Cain when Cain had planned to kill his brother, when God, remember the story? When God has told Cain and Abel, make a sacrifice, an offering for me. And both of them presented their offering before God. And God, the Bible says, God respected that of Abel and disdained that of Cain. And in, when they have finished everything and God has accepted Abel's offering, and this is how God put it. He said, Cain, sin is sitting at your doorstep. Watch it very carefully. Sin is sitting at your doorstep. But master it. Sin is looking to destroy you. Sin is a destroyer. Sin is a predator. Sin is a threat. Sin is a killer. It is looking to destroy you. Is looking to overtake you. Is looking to overcome you. But I am warning you, master over it so that it does not predate you, so that it does not terminate you, so that it does not overcome you. But watch it very carefully. After God has said this, if I were the one, I'll be vigilant, open my eyes, my ear, my mouth, everything, my heart, so that it will not overcome me. But guess what happened? Cain, even after the warning, opened himself up and he could not overcome the sin. Hear me? You can never overcome sin. Right there. You can be papacy. You can be archpope. You can be cardinal. You can be prophet emeritus. You can be theologian uh, papacy. You can be the prophet from wherever. Hear me? You can never overcome sin. So what is Bishop trying to say? So must we continue to sin? No. There is a master over sin. <laughs> Until the master comes, you will not be able to overcome sin. There is a master who has the key, the upper hand, to overcome sin. Your mortality cannot overcome sin. Your mortality. When the Pharisees took the woman who has been adulterous, and they've gone to arrest the woman red-handed and approach Jesus in the temple. Ready to stone. They had their stones in their hands. Ready to mash out this woman. Mash her out. Kill her. Destroy her. Watch what Jesus did. When he started writing, he said, The one who has not sinned before, let him be the first caster of the stone. How many of them were able to cast the stone? The same people who want to crucify you, they have done worse than you. The same person who is judging you has already been condemned. Who is ever righteous? Who is ever wealthy? Romans say all have sinned and come short the glory of God. All, no one, not even single. All have come short the glory of God. Hey, I could be preaching so powerful, it doesn't make me a saint. I could do all things, but hear me, if until, until, until the overcomer of the sin 
comes. Your most holy righteous deeds are like the rag before God. Am I talking to somebody? Watch it. What the law teaches, the law, moreover, to teach the true use of obedience with the law appointed. Watch it very carefully. Grace, write this, grace came to teach the true use of obedience. Write it down. I want you to write this very one down. Write it down. Grace came to teach the true use of obedience which the law appointed. Now bring the message to a close. And next week we will start because hey, hey, there's too much to learn. Grace came to teach us the true use of obedience which the law appointed. Moses brought a law. Moses appointed a law. And they try to obey the law. But regardless of how much they try to obey the law, they became offended to the law. The same law they were trying to obey. They end up offending the law. Henceforth, they were being punished for what they wanted to obey. So nobody in the, in the law was justified. Nobody in the law was able to apply it. Nobody in the law was able to obey it. Nobody in the law was able to take it one step at a time. Because, hear me, the laws, the laws, the laws, hear me, the laws were such that even if you falter one, you are falter all of it. Hmm. We'll come to that. We'll come to that. There were verbal laws. There were moral laws. There were legislative laws. And if you offend one of it, if you disobey one of it, the rest of all the verbal laws, the rest of all the written laws, the rest of all the principal laws, the rest of the legislated laws, you have offended all of it. So who is justified? Who can live and say this is a true citizen, true abiding citizen? Uh, all of us listening to me now, wherever you live, have you been a true abiding citizen? Can you categorically say that all the laws in the nation, you have abide by it? It's impossible. Watch it very carefully. So grace came to teach us the true obedience with the law appointed and fixed in our hearts the power of obedience. Fix and fix in our heart the power of obedience. So now, the power of obedience is no more in your actions. The power of obedience is now sitting on the inside of you because of grace. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Because of grace. Obedience has now come to live inside of you, not by your action. So now, obedience is no more in action. Obedience is in your heart. And because it's in your heart, it can easily postulate, it can easily 
transpose it can easily transfer it can easily be rendered yesterday i was chatting with an ayoka and ayoka wanted to start start a 21 days fasting and all of a sudden she wake up in the morning she heard vividly the holy ghost saying to her no do seven days before do seven days he said why i don't know the holy ghost woke her up in the middle of the night and she didn't understand started questioning why have i been woken up lord why have you woken me up and then she's heard a voice saying you have to start doing seven days don't do anything just drink water and crackers for seven days he said what anyway because you have said it i will do it obedience in the heart nobody was there nobody has forced there henceforth she does not have any argument to argue whether it's god speaking whether it's the devil speaking whether his mother speaking her father speaking she know by conviction of obedience within her spirit that is the holy ghost that is grace grace is able to convict you in the darkest moment of your life without nobody compulsorily forcing you to do something grace so that is the assignment of jesus he came so that that grace that very appointment of the law that when you do it when you falter your friend you do some mistake you will be standing before the sahindrin the pharisees the sadducees and they will punish you now you don't have to do it anymore you just sit in your room you just slide on your bed and you are convicted in your heart and say lord forgive me and that is quashed off nobody will put you in prison why did jesus do this and i'll end it and then we come next week i'll end it why did jesus do this jesus did this so that the prophecy of the old will be accomplished and fulfilled write it down right write it jesus did all these things or let, let me make it proper god did all these things through jesus so that his own word of prophecy to the prophets in the time of old will be fulfilled upon the note that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. He said, as long as the earth exists, not a single jot of the word of the prophet shall fall void. Do you remember that in, in the verse 17? So in order for the prophecy, in order for the letter of the prophets, in order for the iota of the prophet, in order for the single word of the prophet, every word God has given to the prophet from the days of Noah until the day of Malachi, any prophecy that God has given in the form and in the conformity and in the legislation of the law will not fall void for the accomplishment of it, then Jesus will have to make this thing come to pass. The essence of it. So, next week, by the grace of God, I've given you the explanation. I believe you were blessed by this message. God bless you for listening. For more messages of Bishop Melvin London, please follow him on his social media handles and you will be blessed.